0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Grace. Grace.
1: Nick Sirianni. Somebody's got to coach him up on, on, on what to say to the Philadelphia media. race.
0: Yeah. Grace. Race. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Quote,
1: to name a starter at this particular time, we've been working with these guys for two days.
0: The Rich Eisen Show.
1: Look at their depth chart. Their names are Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. How much you want
2: to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain?
0: Earlier on the show. Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Three-time Pro Bowl quarterback, Carson Palmer. Coming up. Oregon offensive tackle, Pinay Sewell. NFL draft analyst, Mel Kiper Jr. And now. It's Rich Eisen. Hey,
1: everybody. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen show is on the air one week until the NFL draft in Ohio. I will be on the set with Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis and also with Stanford head coach David Shaw one week from tonight on NFL Network. And then I'll be here on Friday night. David Shaw out, Joel Klatt in. And then on Saturday, Joel Klatt out and Peter Schrager of the Emmy-nominated Good Morning Football in. Lots to talk about. Mel Kuyper will be on the ESPN set. He will be joining us in 19 minutes time to talk about what he thinks will happen one week from tonight in Cleveland, Ohio, where Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He just joined us in hour number one. We talked about his team selecting 26th overall and the thought process of what might be still on the board for them there. Carson Palmer joined us. Uh, An hour number two. And uh, we all know Carson spent many a year in Cincinnati, Ohio, where Joe Burrow uh, is coming back, hopefully, uh, on time from a blown-out knee that cut short a blossoming rookie season for the Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU. And the Bengals are sitting there fifth overall with quite an opportunity. Do they take a pass catcher for Burrow? Would they take Jamar Chase and put him back in the mix Uh, with Burrow from LSU? Would they take Kyle Pitts, if he's still on the board, and give Burrow that target? Or will they do what Carson Palmer says he hopes they do, that they take the tackle out of Oregon, the guy who in 2019 was the unanimous All-American and the winner of the Outland and Morris Trophies? Will they take the man who joins us right here on the Rich Eisen Show, Panay Sewell? Good to see you, sir. Thank you for joining us.
3: Uh, Thank you for having me on here. It's an honor it's a pleasure Appreciate
1: to it. it's a pleasure to have you here on the program um I, I'm not just saying this because you're you're here joining us right now um, but uh, Carson Palmer says he hopes that you're the one that the uh, that the that the Cincinnati Bengals take what is your sense of what the Bengals might do with this pick penny
3: um I'm in no position to be like, this is what's going to happen. But to hear Carson say that, it's a huge honor. And, uh, again, shout-out to him for uh, trusting in me and for me to be the pick. But whatever it is, if the Bengals pick me, just know that I'm going to give my all, my heart, and soul to that organization to help keep Bill Burrow clean as much as I can. So if they pick me, it's it's green and it's a goal light. But if they don't, it's not the end of the world.
1: Of course not. No, uh, that's for sure. Um, but what what conversations have you had with the Cincinnati Bengals to this point?
3: Uh, just a normal calls, a normal conversation. Them trying to pick up my brain and my knowledge of the game or and what my strengths and weaknesses are and what I need to work on. So it's just normal conversations going on back and forth.
1: Who have you spoken to? Have you had any conversations, Zoom or otherwise, with Mike Brown? the guy at the top of the flow chart there?
3: Uh, not personally, but we've had a call where he's sitting in there, whether I'm talking to Coach Polak or uh, any one of the coaches on the coaching staff. But he's been in the room, but a little conversation here and there, not too much.
1: Who else have you spoken to? Drop some names if you don't mind. Who have you chatted? Uh,
3: on the Bengal organization? Or no, just in g- all of them.
1: How many teams have yeah. you spoken to so far?
3: Uh, quite a many, probably like 29, 29 teams.
1: 29? Yeah. Geez, so you've spoken to pretty much everybody in the National Football League.
3: Yeah, whether it was Zoom calls or uh, just regular phone calls, yeah.
1: Okay, so what are they asking you? What's the craziest question uh, you were asked? Give me the give me give me that one. <laughs> give me that one. Uh, the craziest
3: one. one was it's not that bad, but it's, if I had four hundred dollars to my name stuck in the area, uh, what do I do with no internet access and no uh, no cell phone?
1: What? So
3: that's probably the craziest one I've had.
1: So you were asked, you don't have cell phone, you don't have internet access, (laughs) and you have only $400, what would you do with it?
3: Like, what would you do in a situation like that? And I was like, uh, that's enough for me to go find some internet access, like computer access, and give me a one-way flight back to home.
1: (laughs) Or I'd I'd call an Uber to get the hell out of this conversation, which you can't say, you know.
3: I think it was a conversation that cast me off guard, knocked me off my uh, I guess. Okay. Uh, game a little bit, but it's not that bad.
1: Penae Sewell here on the Rich Eisen show. What is your Uber rating? Do you know what that is right now? That's a that's that's immeasurable. That's immeasurable. What do you got for me? Do you know what that is?
3: <laughs> uh, four <Are> stars.
1: <laughs> what'd you say? Four stars. That just your four stars. That's
3: what you got. Okay, so I mean I don't really tap in Uber like that, but yeah. Okay,
1: so because I imagine you've got to order, you can't just get a sedan either. You got to get some sort of.
3: Yeah, no, it's got to be a big Tahoe, uh, some <laughs> <tough> sort.
1: <laughs> How did you get to Oregon? How did you find your way to the University of Oregon?
3: Uh, man, uh, Coach Chris, hit me up uh, during the recruiting process, and also Coach Joe Salavell there. Joe Salavell, we have family ties. He's He's close to, like, another uncle to me. So uh, him and my father grew up on the island together, literally neighbors. So we had that connection, and he connected us to Coach ball right then and there. The moment we uh, had our first conversation, we just hit it off. It was in Utah at an all-poly camp. It was a padded camp, so he was coaching there. And we just – our relationship grew from there.
1: What was your decision-making process about COVID-19 and and, um, sitting out because of it? Walk me through that. Yeah. uh,
3: Ultimately, what came down to my decision to opt out was when the Pac 12 canceled their season the first time. And the moment that happened, I didn't know what was going to happen. All the uncertainty in the air, whether they were going to bring it back, when they're going to bring it back. And uh, so, with all that being said, I was weighing my options and kind of seeing what's on the table. And then, right then and there, I just. Decided to opt out and really work towards the NFL.
1: Is that what has that been asked of you in those 29 Zooms or conversations with the NFL? Um, sort of kick maybe to kick the tires on your thought process and your desire to play, even though I don't think that's a window into any of that. But sometimes NFL teams might not be very well rounded in their thoughts, Panay.
3: Yeah, uh, definitely that question was asked, obviously, uh, what my what my decision factors was leading into opting out, but. A uh, little, not all the teams, but maybe one or two tried to knock me off by saying something like that. Whether my passion of the game is there, and kind of question my uh, my love for the game. But again, I tell them every time it's it's a no-brainer for me. It's a way of life, uh, the way I grew up. And, uh, yeah, if I want to go in my background story about all that, I can.
1: (laughs) And, you know, here's a red flag for me, if you don't mind me pointing this out, uh, Panay, is that in 1,376 snaps at Oregon, you gave up one sack. What the hell happened on that one snap, (laughs) Panay? What
3: what happened? Uh, If if I recall correctly. I'm sure you do. If it's the one sack that I gave up, it was against uh, USC, and uh, I tried to knock. His hands down. It was a tackle. I come inside to help Shane. And, uh, man, I thought I had him. Knocked his hands down and tried to ride him back. But as I was riding back, Herb was right there. So he got the sack.
1: So should we blame it on Herbert? Is that what you're saying?
3: No, nah, no, nah, we're should not we? blaming it <laughs> on Herbert. Hey, What's nah, he doing Herb. there? You know, I, you should I apologize straight to Herb. <laughs> right after that play, I went up to Herb and told him, man, that's on me. I'm going to do better. And uh, from there on out, that was the only one. Only
1: sack. I mean, does that bother you? You could have had a clean sheet otherwise, literally gotten out of college with a clean sheet. That one <laughs> yeah, sack. It's got to piss you off a little bit.
3: Definitely, if I had it back, would fix some things. But at the end of the day, this is what it is. I learned from it. And uh, from there on, it was a clean slate.
1: Hey, you know, there is one mock draft. And we, you know what you could do with mock drafts, pretty much. That, that and, you know, uh, the old uh, bus ticket can get you on a bus. So um, that said... <laughs> I did see one where, for whatever reason, due to quarterbacks being pushed up and taken and then everybody gets pushed down, wide receivers and things of that nature, I believe it was Todd McShay of ESPN who had you falling all the way to the Los Angeles Chargers for you to protect Justin Herbert. That, I imagine, obviously would be a longer night than you certainly hope for the first round. But how special was Justin Herbert? First, up close and uh, personal for you, And that you knew um, about him before he became so phenomenal as a rookie in the NFL last
3: year. Yeah. Man, uh, the moment I stepped on the campus, and to really, you could really feel his presence around you. Like, I didn't even know him, but the moment I was in the team theater room for the first time, and he walks through that door, it's just Justin Herbert's in the room. So, from right then and there, he always had a big impression uh, from me. And the moment we stepped on the practice field, the throws he was making were incredible. I'm just like, and the moment I got the starting job and to hear the ball pass my ear sometimes, it's kind of (laughs) like, I was amazed at times. And I would just stop, look at him and be like, what? (laughs) Like, you just did that? And then uh, just carry on about my day. But yeah, man, to see what he did in the league, we all knew it. Everybody at Oregon knew it was going to happen day in and day out we saw greatness and what that looked like and uh it was just time for the world to see yeah his uh, o-
1: his only rookie mistake was letting his strength and conditioning coach john Lott, cut his hair um
3: <laughs> i
1: don't know what that was about Panay. hey oh. <laughs>
3: I don't know what it was, but it, Herb still did his thing. So I think the flow is coming back. So everybody will see the flow come back this season and see Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Uh, Hair
1: flowing the wind. And Panay a few more minutes left with the top tackle prospect on so many draft boards right here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's with the uh, the face paint um, that covers most of your face as you go about your business on the field? What's, where does that come
3: uh, from? Yeah, it goes from really it just my mindset. Uh, when I put on that face paint, I feel like I'm a warrior every time I cross that field, and I'm, I'm trying to really accomplish something every time I cross between those lines. And it's really, again, the warrior's mentality. I'm coming in day in and day out, ready to fight, ready to put my body on the line, put my um, my mental on the line for the team success.
1: So, do you become a different person once that comes on? That's part of like your, you know obviously you're the same flesh and blood and heart that beats inside but you yeah. know um, uh, Brian Dawkins used to say once he put his uh, eye black underneath his face and uh, or the uh, breathe right across his nose um, he would become what he called the idiot man and just become a different <laughs> human being is the face paint that kind of the, that for you Penny?
3: yeah no it's exactly like that but I say I'm a warrior Okay, coming in, ready to fight, ready to just really put everything on the line, and really just really uh, again I said it in other uh, interviews. I'm coming up with violent intentions, and I really want to uh, impose my will on the game of football.
1: Okay, before I let you go, um, much was made by the Philadelphia Eagles head coach saying that he has um, uh, tested the competitive nature of some prospects on Zoom calls. Uh, by playing rock, paper, scissors with them. Um, I don't know if the Eagles were one of the 29 you spoke to. If they were, did you play rock, paper, scissors with Nick Seriani of, of the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> did you do that?
3: They were one of the people, but no, I did not play rock, paper, scissors.
1: Okay. Um, uh, I don't mean to give away your strategy, but if you did, would you? what would you do? Rock, paper, or scissors? This is my testing of your competitive nature. I'm thinking of one right now. I swear I will choose this one. You go. This is our way of playing rock, paper, scissors right now over the phone on the Rich Eisen Show. I promise you. I have chosen one. You choose one right now.
3: I'm choosing rock.
1: I'm sorry I have paper. Look, (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I have paper, and I'm just that one of the 1,300 plus that sometimes slips past you. I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I, uh,
3: it's all good. If you want to run it back, I'm all good. Okay. I for running it back.
1: Okay. Very good. I'm just – look, maybe that's just your only loss you're going to take in the National Football yeah. League this year, and we'll just chalk it up to that. Beginner's luck, rookie <laughs> luck. I'm more of a veteran. I knew you saying you were a warrior that you would throw out your fist with a, lot, with a rock, and that's why okay. I chose paper. That's what okay. I did.
3: That's just, actually – I give it to you. I give it to that.
1: Okay. So when you get into the league, you know, and you're asked to do this from now on, understand – maybe you should throw out some sort of a, uh, a rock, uh, you know, a, a scissor. How about that? Because other people are going to uh, probably throw out rock. That's just my help for you as you go to the draft. Are you going to the draft or are you, are you staying home? Where are you no, going? I'm going to stay home with okay. family. What's, walk me through your, your day, if you don't mind, for that one. What What's the plan for your
3: draft? Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, so in the morning, probably going to get a haircut, <laughs> get that done. Okay. And then – uh, the rest of the day, I'm just really chilling until it's time to sit down in front of the camera and in front of the TV waiting for the phone call. So I'm chilling the morning up mm-hmm. with family, whatever that looks like, whether it's playing dominoes or just okay. uh, eating uh, breakfast or some sort like that, okay. and then just waiting.
1: Just waiting. And then do you have your attire all picked out? You know what you're going to wear? Yes, I do. What do yes, you got? Yes, I do. Can you give me a little hint? What do you got?
3: Uh, it's a little tribal. That's all I'm going to say. It's a little tribal. Uh knees and suit, that's it. That's okay. all I'm going to give to people. Okay,
1: uh, so one last time, uh, Pene, just before I l- let you go, I'm going to say uh, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Let's try it one more time. Okay? Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see how competitive you are, and I just told you what you should say, what you should do. Let's see if you're going to do something right here uh, on and the I'm Rich Eyes. I'm playing Isaiah. against you right now. Right now, okay? <laughs> okay. And, okay. Um, you go You go first. I'm holding up for the for the TV audience right now what it is and then you penesul you say what you say rock paper. paper rock paper scissors shoot okay here we go rock paper scissors shoot you say paper there you go i have yes, Adam the rock here well done yes sir paper covers rock you take coaching yes, and you're very competitive that's why you're going to be a yep. top 5 pick i think right there <laughs> You take care of yourself, Panay. Have a good time.
3: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. All
1: right, I'll see you at the next level, sir. That's Panay Sewell, University of Oregon tackle. Takes coaching. He's competitive. (laughs) Sorry, Eagles, you traded out. Probably not going to get him. Oh, I'm going to have inside information from Mel Kuyper for his evaluation. Can't wait. Look at Mel. Look at that hair. Trevor Lawrence and him, I've never felt balder.
0: Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's that time of year, people, spring has
1: sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least spring. Put your hands together for the most recent Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray Oklahoma How are you, sir? I'm doing good, I'm doing good Thank you for having me. You bet, you made the Super Bowl Yeah. You're, you're not even, you're not even uh, I, know. Well, I don't even know if you're going to be in the league yet or not. <laughs> I guess we'll find that out Yeah, we will. What did
4: it mean for you to win the Heisman Trophy? It was a dream come true, I mean it's it's still really hasn't really set in it's weird, um, you know, it's I don't say my life changed, but, you know, just every, everywhere I go, people notice me, um, stuff like that. So, uh, I, something I've always dreamed of, obviously. So, you know, I'm not surprised by any of the reactions and stuff like that, but it's definitely a blessing. Okay. And where is that trophy right now? I
1: sleep next to it.
4: <laughs>
1: it's on your nightstand? Yeah. So it's Good Morning Heisman every type, day? Yeah, tight. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's right there next to, like, there's a yeah. night table next to Kyler Murray's bed and the Heisman Trophy's resting there. Yes, around. sir. That's amazing. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you've had it in your no. arms like you've been spooning with it? Like, <laughs> no, no, there's no spooning. There's no, there's no Heisman spooning. No. I, by the way, I would absolutely I guess, spoon I with not. the Heisman if I won the Heisman. <laughs> I've only, re- well, I have received the Heisman. It was asking. asking for prom dates back in high school. I got the Heisman a lot. Oh gosh. Oh, my my new, new fantasy Heisman
0: name, Heisman spooning.
1: Heisman spooning is a great fantasy team name. Now taking part in the Rich Eisen Show Throw Challenge. Kyler Murray, is this the first NFL Duke ball that you have thrown? That's an NFL. Oh, my God. You won't even answer that. (laughs) Wow! Uh, Go for it, Kyler. Go for it. That's one. That's one. Here we go. That's two. Kyler Murray. That's three, by the way. That's four. Those are all Duke NFL footballs. Just wanted everyone to know first that. Overall
0: no, first overall pick. That's picks.
1: four. That's five. Oh, wow. These are the footballs Kurt Warner complained about. That's six. Oh my god. That's seven. Whoa. That's oh my goodness. Yeah, let's get some uh here we go. Keep going. I'm on. You got one more? Hold on, this is getting bad. It. Here we go. No. Yeah, it's getting bad. Yeah. You got seven for first seven. Good enough. Seven yeah, out of oh, ten.
3: Yeah. Kyron Murray. Right. Good to see you, man. you.
1: Congratulations. He won the Heisman and, it seems, the Rich Eisen throwing contest in the same year. That's a first. No one could ever take that away from you. And the Oakland A's just had a ten-game win streak broken up. So, seems like everybody's doing all right. Eight four four two zero four. rich number to dial YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our entire archive. Be the, some of the 254,000 subscribers of our YouTube page. Eight four four two zero four. rich number to dial here on the show. Uh, so thrilled to have this man on our broadcast. We had Todd McShay, who is the evaluator uh, of NFL talent that will be part of the ABC broadcast. And part of the ESPN broadcast for his umpteenth year sitting on the set is none other than Mel Kuyper Jr. here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Mel?
2: Rich, my friend. Great to be with you. Great
1: to be with you. First time ESPN reached out to you and said, we're going to televise the draft and we want you on it. When was that? Walk me through that phone conversation.
2: That was 1983 season, 1984 draft Um, I went up for an interview up to Bristol, was one building in Bristol that year, and when I walked in, they sat me down in a room, put my chair in the middle of the room, had seven or eight people walking around me, asking me questions about offensive lines, front offices, personnel departments, coaching staff, the like. I answered the questions for about an hour, went home, and two weeks later found out I was doing the 1984 draft with Bob Lee and Boomer up in Bristol, Connecticut, and that was my first draft, 1984,
1: on ESPN. Wow. Bob Lee and Chris Berman and you the general the Schwam and Mel Kiper Jr mm-hmm. That's <laughs> the way it one was.
2: building I remember. You'll I I never love this, Rich. Sure. As the draft finished. We were in like the second round. We had just interviewed Boomer Esiason. Uh The draft ended. I think we went to a tractor pull or a speedboat race, and I got the Boomer walked me down. I went to the airport, the Bradley International Airport, flew back to Baltimore. I was back to Baltimore. They were still drafting, and that was it. That was that was see 1984. I was 23 at the time, Rich. That's uh, a great memory. That was Boomer Saason when he dropped into the second round, and the Bengals took. Three players in the first round and didn't take Boomer, and he went in the second round. And, and then we finished that interview, and a couple picks later, we were leaving the draft in the second round. Like I say, to goes elsewhere. I don't remember what it was. probably I think it's, I remember a tractor pull or speedboat race. That's, a, <laughs> that's what my memory, my recollection, Rich, at the time. Oh, and that was yeah. pretty amazing. We're covering every pick and multiple platforms, and you know how it goes now.
1: Of course. Now there's, you know, the Ocho. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's, it, that's amazing, Mel. And then, so, um... The first time you were in Radio City, or was there something before even Radio City? When was that? What was the first yeah, out of Bristol? I think we
2: did it then, I don't remember. I remember uh, the first few drafts, we were in Bristol, yeah. and then I was, George Grand was in New York George with Paul Grant. Zimmerman and Howard Balzer on the main set, uh-huh. and then after that, I went out to California one year to be with Roy Firestone, um, and then I came back, and I think we were, and Boomer was anchoring, and I think I was on the main set with Boomer and Paul Zimmerman and Joe Theismann and that group. That would have been probably my first year on the main set, if I remember correctly. Would have been, or right around the main set, would have been like 1986 or 87.
1: And walk everybody through the most most uh, pissed off you pissed somebody off, uh, Mel, with your evaluation. I, I know the answer <laughs> to it, but there's a whole generation of people that need to hear this because, again, you were you were just you know in your mid to late 20s, um, and and ESPN had thrown you on the set, and you were. Doing your thing, which is talking about what you see with your uh, courage of convictions in your evaluation. And there were NFL, you know, um, old school NFL draft evaluators who had never had something like this covered, televised, parsed, analyzed in real time. And they weren't very happy about it, were they back in the day?
2: No, Rich, in fact, as you know, uh, they didn't want ESPN to televise the draft when they started doing it. Um, and once they did, then obviously there were going to be analysts like myself that were going to be critical. And I get that. I understand you defend your, your team selections. You make a pick. You don't want anybody saying it's a debatable pick or what have you. But Bill Tobin in 1994 yes. took exception. The comments I made about Trev Alberts and about Trent Bilfer and, and made comments to Chris Mortensen. And I remember, like it was yesterday, Rich, you we know, Freddie were Freddie was Freddie was producing the draft that yes. year. And Freddie said to me, as we were getting ready for the next pick, I wasn't even worrying about what was going on remotely. As you know, we're at the set. We're worrying about the next highlight package, who's going to be the next pick or what have you. Yep. And Freddie said to me, we're coming back to you, and you're going to be on camera when we come back, and you're going to be responding to what Bill Tobin saying about you. And I said, well, what is he saying? About it? He said, just know he's ripping you okay, over what you said, and I want you to look in the whatever camera and make a comment. So I had, I had no idea what I was responding to at the time, except he was ripping. Me and then found out later what it was all about. Rich, so it was it was kind of crazy that whole day and how it unfolded. He
1: said that you had no idea what the NFL draft's all about and asked who the hell is Mel Kiper. Right? Isn't that what he said? Wasn't that his?
2: That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, my mailman uh, who doesn't have season tickets knows more about the draft than he. Bill was very upset, obviously, yes. with, with what I said <laughs> and I took exception to it. And Mort, it's uh, funny when I talked to Mort about it. Mort says you notice when I was holding the mic, I kept backing up, backing away. <laughs> he was getting more. We're irritated by the minute, by the second. And uh, Mort, t- Mort, Mort tells the story very humorously. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of laughs when Mort tells the story, Rich. But for me, it was really one of those things where I'm sitting there with Joey T, with Joe Theismann, you know, and we're just in Boomer. We're getting ready for the next pick. And yeah. you're just sitting there thinking everything's okay, you know, and we're just getting ready to, to figure it out and maybe come back and analyze something and to go to a highlight package. And all of a sudden, now we're responding to that. So it's one of those things that was a, a you know, blindside kind of a curveball thrown. We just had to react, and here to this day, it's kind of the signature moment sure for me, where it kind of got everybody's attention.
1: And now, you know, obviously, people would be like, "What's so thin-skinned about this uh, evaluator?" Because we're, we're all used to evaluations, and certainly used to seeing you involved with an NFL draft coverage, Mel. And now it's like it's like the State of the Union. You know, like I'm I'm hosting my 17th for NFL Network. Reese Davis is going to yep. be hosting, an, uh, I think his third now for A B C and now Greeny, Mike Greenberg's gonna be sitting there in the host chair with you. It's like there's it's the state of the union. It's it's
2: everywhere. Yeah, now. it really is. It really is, Rich. You had a good friend of my you work with Mike and Mike a good friend, all oh, you know, yep. Daniel Jeremiah and mm-hmm. the guys and Charles Davis. I mean, it's all great people and, and we all have fun and we do what we do. And like I say, comments are made now, Rich, so it's amazing now. I remember after the people always say your best call, what was your best take? And I remember it was like a couple drafts later, I had said that the Rams should have well, they were in Saint Louis, should have drafted uh, Eddie George and Marvin Harrison instead of Lawrence Phillips and Eddie Kennison. And that was arguably one of my better takes. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I right. I was, guess, guess what? Nobody, nobody to this day ever remembers me saying that because Hank Goldberg, Hammer and Hank, was yeah, interviewing Hammer. Rich Brooks, the head coach of the Rams at the time. Yes, and he said, "Oh, did you hear Mel's comments? Mel was really critical of of your picks. He would have done this, and you did that, and what's your comment?" And and Rich said, "Hey, Mel's entitled to his opinion." We like the players we've selected, and uh, we'll see how it all turns out. And it was like the comment, and nobody ever, Rich. Nobody ever remembers those comments that I made. And and like I said, had it been an issue, everybody would have remembered it. But nobody remembers those comments because Rich let it go.
1: Well, all you got to do is just take everybody down the draft hall to Canton, Ohio, and uh, spike the football. You know what I'm saying, Mel? <laughs>
2: Nobody remembers it, right? Like I said, that was a, a kind of It's <laughs> my best call. Nobody ever cares about it remembers so, it. Uh, if Rich Brooks would have been done with what, what Bill did, wow. it, would been, it would have been one for the Bucks. It been, but it didn't happen that way. I'm sure you know Mike and Daniel can tell you a lot of things that they. That nobody took exception to. So if they don't take exception to it, then all of the great calls kind of go, like I said,
1: are never remembered. Mel Kuyper Jr. here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's get into the here and now, sir. What do you think the 49ers did? Uh, a few weeks ago, do you think they traded up knowing who they've got targeted at third overall or do you think they've been grinding tape? And if so, how do you think this all plays out Thursday night third overall Mel?
2: And it's really interesting, Rich. When you make a move of that magnitude, you would think that they definitely know who that guy is. Right. And but you say, okay, if the Jets are taking Wilson, are there two quarterbacks that they're trying to figure out? That they're, they're they know they're getting one of those two, or are they just thrilled to be able to get one of those two guys at that particular point? And that's the way I would look at it. Now I would think they isolated one quarterback, and in that particular case, you keep hearing it's Mac Jones, quarterback at Alabama. Trey Lance is in that discussion. I have. I haven't heard Justin Fields' name associated with the 49ers, but I would think he gets down to Mac Jones or Trey Lance. Now, remember when it was Eli Manning, you were there, but Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, uh, yeah, that whole thing. Eli's not going to go to the Chargers. They ended up making the move, and they ended up with, with, uh, you know, with Manning. When Manning ends up with the Giants, Phillip Rivers ends up with the Chargers. So obviously, the Chargers were happy either way. Uh, Tom Telesco last year, the GM of the Chargers, said, hey, I'm happy with every quarterback, whether it was Burrow, Tua, or Herbert, whichever one fell to me, mm. I'm good with So you never really know. I can't say for sure that they've targeted one guy. Maybe they are debating Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Who knows? All I know is they made that move knowing they're going to get the quarterback after the top two that they feel is a franchise quarterback that can can make them a Super Bowl-winning team.
1: And your evaluation amongst all of them would be who? for the best quarterback? I like
2: Justin Fields. I, I was a Herbert guy last year. I was a Josh Allen guy. I guess like they, they don't like quarterbacks with Jays. They didn't like Josh. Nice. They like Justin. And, and Justin Fields, they're not too high on. I like him. Uh, a lot of people like Zach Wilson. Uh, some have been on Trey Lance. And Mac Jones has been red hot of late. So the, after Trevor Lawrence, really rich, it's up for grabs. Uh, yeah, the ratings boards are all over the place. Forget mock drafts. I'm talking about just ratings boards. I've heard a number two quarterback just any one of those four could have been number two and nobody would really have a strong argument with you. Uh, keep in mind, Trevor Lawrence was one and one A with Justin Fields coming out of high school. Justin Fields outplayed Trevor on that semifinal field back uh, in the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. In 2019, we would have never been talking about Zach Wilson or Mac Jones you know, in the top part of the draft, but they had great years. And of course, uh, Trey ended up playing one game. Trey Lance did. Wasn't impressive in that game, but he had a really good 2019 season. He's only 20 years of age he's got a ton of upside so all four of those quarterbacks you can make an argument with to be the second quarterback taken but Zach Wilson will be the second quarterback taken and now right. we're just trying to figure out if, if in fact Mac Jones will become a 49er and then where Trey Lance and where does Justin Fields end up if that
1: happens well you in your mock draft says it's going to be Mac Jones selected third and then you had a trade with the Falcons moving from four down to six so the Dolphins could go ahead and get Kyle Pitts. Um, do you think that that is eventually going to be the decision that's spat out for the Atlanta Falcons? I... Is it that they, they, they do something like that? What do you think?
2: I did that more for the fact, I was trying you know how mock drafts are Rich. Sure. You're trying to make there's a little method to the madness of trying to get players and I try to explain it to people we don't know who these teams are taking. We're guessing. We don't have there's nobody telling you who they're taking. Right. So if they do, normally you're not gonna put it in a mock draft in April anyway, in early April, you're not gonna do it. So even if you know you're not gonna put it out there that early, you're gonna wait until they're on the clock. I've had I've had GMs that were good friends of mine, Rich, that have told me over the last forty three years that I've been doing this <laughs> who they're taking and they I said, Hey, no I'm I'll say, but don't do it until we're on the clock. Don't mention it until we're on the clock. Okay? Yeah. So it's not going to go in any mock drafts. It's not going to go up on any dot com site. It's not going to be talked about on radio or TV until that pick is on the clock. So you protect your friends in the league who tell you that stuff. So these mock drafts are a guessing game. But I did the thing with Lance to try to get him to a point where it made sense that Atlanta they're not going to take him at three, and everybody said they were shopping that pick could move down a little bit and get him, and then. Where does Justin Fields go? Does he go to Denver? Does somebody trade up to get him? I had New England trading up to get Justin Fields, who I don't believe Rich can sit at 15 and find a quarterback, fall right in their lap. I don't think that's going to happen. So it's going to be right. Does so Chicago make a move up? Does Washington make a move up? Uh, does Carolina take a quarterback? We had Peter Schrager on yesterday, Rich, and, mm-hmm. and Peter's connected to everybody. He thought Carolina could take a quarterback. He had them taking a quarterback, Justin Fields, at eight. So we'll see. I think it's going to be – I said this yesterday, going. I think it's going to I think, Rich, when you're doing the draft, it's going to be the most interesting, entertaining, and fascinating draft we've probably ever covered.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, certainly if it's three quarterbacks at the top and then comes four, and then you you think the Bengals are taking Sewell, huh? Because Carson Palmer said that's who he hopes they take, because he thinks that Burrow needs that protection more than another weapon. Including
2: the guy yeah, who play college. Yeah, I think history has proven that you know the tackles are safe and receivers aren't. So you do need the you have you know, all the receivers if you're running for your life or you're injured and you got your backup quarterback in there what a disaster that is. So I think the whether it's a soul, whether it's Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, I think they have to take an offensive lineman. Chase, you'd like that to Chase too. You like that Burroughs' favorite target at LSU, but you can't pick them all. You got to make one pick, and I think the offensive lineman, knowing how deep receiver is, Rich, they can get a Deami Brown from North Carolina uh, in the second. Around. Uh, you know, they could certainly get a really good player at that position. want a slot guy that can get an Amari Rodgers from Clemson or a 2 2 Atwell from Louisville. So there's going to be plenty of wide receiver, slot receiver, outside receiver options at that point. Terrace Marshall, because of a little injury concern, maybe could drop out of the first out of LSU and drop into the second. But you can't get a left tackle the ability the, and the talent that Penny Sewell brings to the table. And that's a position where you say, well, they have, they have Jonah Williams, but they could play sword guard. Uh, Reef is the right tackle. And then after uh, one year or two years they can move so either left tackle or right tackle so i think they need to address the offensive line we all know that so why pass on a guy as good as pen is
1: espn's mel kuyper few more minutes left with the senior nfl draft analyst will be on the set uh one week from tonight and then throughout the weekend on the worldwide leader in sports draft coverage right here on the rich Eisen show so just to sum up after trevor lawrence your 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 next quarterback on your draft board in terms of prospect is Justin Fields. You think that that is the best, you know, best, I guess, ready and high ceiling and what have you, you know, give me your quarterback depth chart after Trevor Lawrence that meant forget about, you know, which after teams, Trevor,
2: but. Justin. Th- Right. Justin Fields, not a mock draft, just from a ratings yep. perspective, Correct. it would be Justin Fields, then Zach Wilson, then Mac Jones, then Trey Lance, and they're all very close. I mean, let's face it, they're all after Trevor, uh, who I think is one of the best quarterback rating-wise of all time, go up there with John Elway and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. He would mm. be fourth on my all-time list. Uh, so I think after him, you get down to who's the second quarterback, and that that's very debatable. I, I mean, it's not. I've been consistent with Justin all along. Uh, I would. I waited to see the playoff game, and. The way he performed like a champion against Trevor in that semifinal game, I think cemented it for me that I was going to be consistent and not change and not you know, have a reaction to two subpar games in a COVID year. and a Northwestern game, Rich, he was not 100% for. He was not uh, you know, 100% for that game. He didn't have Chris Olave for that game. So uh, I look at that and say, okay, Trey Lance didn't play well against Central Arkansas. Uh, this guy, you know, Fields didn't play great against Indiana and Northwestern. So they played phenomenal in 2019. So I, I did stick with Fields uh, for that reason.
1: So then why do you think the Jets are going Zach Wilson? And I asked this question to somebody who was cheering you on, you and you were denigrating rating the Jeff Loggeman pick I still wear the scars of Johnny Lamb Jones and Blair (laughs) Thomas and so on and so forth why why I don't know if I want to know the answer but why you know you're making me nervous and but then again you know you're going to be working with a guy who's got this sort of nerves and jangled nerves on draft night too in Greenberg but uh why why do you think the the Jets are 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 set on Zach Wilson if you have Justin Fields rating
2: Yeah, the undeniable arm talent. The year he had Rich was phenomenal. Now, granted, it was against an inferior schedule, uh, but. He came back from that shoulder surgery, did not play great in 2019. He had shoulder surgery and he struggled. Okay, he was he was fumbling the ball, he was making some bad throws, yes. bad decisions, and this year he looked like a completely different quarterback. A little bit bigger, a little stronger, and just better overall, better feel for the position. And he had good talent around him. He had some receivers going to be have a chance. Max Millen's going to have a chance to play in the NFL. Obviously, Brady Christensen, the left tackle, is going to have a chance to play in the NFL. So uh, he had some talent around him, but I just think that, that Joe Douglas fell in love with the talent and said, okay, I love this kid. I can reset the clock. Uh, Sam Darnold I like, but I can move him on, get some draft picks. He had said, Joe Douglas did, that if it wasn't Zach Wilson, or if they weren't picking second in the position to draft Zach Wilson, he would have stuck with Sam Darnold and not moved on. So obviously for him, it was Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson and nobody else. Sam Darnold would have been the guy. If I were the Jets, Rich, I would have stuck with Sam Darnold. I would not have drafted a quarterback. I would have stuck with Sam and then either used that pick I want Kyle Pitts or moved down and, and acquired some extra draft choices and still got and been able to pick up and, and acquire a great pass catcher for whether it's the three receivers, one of those three, or, or Pitts for Sam Darnold. But they, I think Joe Douglas just fell in love with Zach Wilson, and that's the bottom line on that.
1: Pitts is that good, huh?
2: He can throw it. I mean, he can really throw the football.
1: No, I mean, and, Pitts. Uh, I
2: Kyle, Kyle
1: Pitts is that good.
2: Kyle Pitts is that good. I think, you know, Kyle Pitts to me is a unique talent, Rich, that you don't find in any draft. Now, how will you creatively utilize? It? That's the challenge, Rich. He's like, a yeah, guy you can move around. You, you know, he's not a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. Uh, you know, he's a combo guy. So how do you utilize him? That's going to be the challenge of the team that drafted him. And he did have some drops the prior two years. This year he eliminated that. He did not drop a pass this year. So the inconsistency catching the football was eliminated. That's would put him over the top, that's what made a six six two hundred and forty five pounder of four four three speed mm. and all that match up nightmare we talk about that's what made him the second best player in this draft in my opinion.
1: he'd be great for the cowboys, wouldn't he? Jerry's infatuated. He would be great for the Dallas Cowboys, don't you think?
2: He would, but how are you going to stop people? And that's the thing. You know, you're giving up picks to move up to get a tight end, which is great to have, but you don't have a defense, and they've got to start addressing that or they'll have no chance to compete. So I think it's tempting, but I don't think it happens. I think Dallas has to use that pick on a defensive player. And use, all, use multiple draft picks and really have a point of emphasis in this draft being the defensive side of the ball.
1: Mel, truly appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing you in Cleveland. Uh, I'm double vexed when I say hello, so don't worry. Uh, we're all good. And I look, I, look forward, I look forward to seeing you once we're there. It'll be know.
2: fun, Rich. Have a great trip out there and have a great draft. Rich. Same Keep to you.
1: You bet. Same to you. At Mel Kuyper ESPN. The one, the only. Mel Kuyper Jr. Here I am. It's my 17th draft. He's like, this is my 43rd. Okay. i mean, yeah. <laughs> Got it. 43rd. That's, That's crazy. Insane. Him, Bob Lee, Chris Berman, Bristol Studio. Go. Rock
0: and roll. Right?
1: And it all started with Mel with a flyer a leaf, or a pamphlet that he used to send out, right? Yeah, like a uh, newsletter. Yeah. A newsletter. newsletter. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. In the mail.
1: Yeah, it was no YouTube. Yeah. There's no sub stack. <laughs> there was a sub and there was a stack. They no were, email. They were all <laughs> available <laughs> at Wawa or the, you know. Wawa. That's a good. Who the uh, hell is Mel Kiper? That's what that's what Bill Tobin said. <laughs> Who the hell is Mel Kiper?
0: And Mort is just like terrified, holding the microphone.
1: <laughs> You're seeing it, huh? Oh yeah, I watched it earlier. Go check, the, it YouTube, <laughs> go check it out on YouTube, everybody. Go check it out. All right, we'll come back. Um, and uh, Rex Chapman is my guest on Just Getting Started this week. Great Jordan story coming up. That's next as we wrap up this Thursday show. on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
1: What is it like when well, you're back there, you know you're going to get it. Yeah. The eight in the box or nine in the box yeah. that you see knows you're going to get it. Yeah. And you know you're going to give it to them, yeah. And they know you're going to give it to them. <laughs> what is that
3: like for uh, you? I just, I just love the game. I love having the ball in my hands, and I love making plays. And I don't know. I just, it's just the game, man. Like that feeling when, you, when everybody knows and I can't stop it. It's just, it's an indescribable feeling, man. And that's just speaking for like us as a team. And, you know, I just, I just love the game. Yeah, I know you're smiling. You're just fun. smiling as you're saying this. It is just, it
1: must be an amazing feeling yeah, it's a lot of fun. to have that ability. Derrick Henry here on the Rich Eisen Show. Did you hear what Earl Thomas said before the divisional playoff game in Baltimore, saying that the, the Patriots didn't want to tackle you, but they were going to have a different
3: Oh, yeah, i seen it everywhere. Everybody was sending it to me. Everybody was showing it to me. Yeah, i seen it everywhere. Okay, so
1: now, later on, you're in Baltimore. You get the ball. You're on the edge. Did you know that was Earl Thomas that was coming for you? Definitely was Earl Thomas. Did you give him a second shove because it was Earl Thomas? Yes. (laughs) I was wondering (laughs) because you gave him you gave him one in the front and you gave him one slightly unnecessary one in the back. But what's so funny
3: about that is. I was focused on giving him another sub that I ran myself out of bounds. <laughs> so I, the first time he kind of turned around yeah. and I could have turned up Phil, but I also focused on this like, giving him a sub that I ran myself out of bounds. But yeah, but yeah, I definitely did
1: that because of that. So then the last question is, was it worth it to run yourself out of bounds?
3: I think it was, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Derrick Henry here on the Rich Eisen Show. Yes, I thought so, too, that you were in the moment like, okay, I remember this. I see who's coming at me. And again, I love Earl Thomas. I think he's going to have a bust in the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, me too. But everybody's, you're an equal opportunity. Everybody gets some type runner. Exactly. That was great with Derrick Henry, man. Tua came by, too. What a fun. Th- that We were in a parking garage. DirecTV and AT&T reconfigured uh, a f- like sixth floor of a parking garage for our show across from Dan Patrick. That was amazing. Dope. That was so much fun. And then the crew was serving us Cuban coffees. Oh, that was, oh my so God. Talk about Cafecito. It. tired and over-caffeinated. I mean, <laughs> those things were. Those oof. Cuban those Cuban coffees. Cafecito. They were oh, amazing. Were, were they cafecitos, yes. right? That's what they called si. them. Uh-huh. So good. Mooch came on, had like three of them. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking <laughs> with his
4: hands. Mooch was like, "Give me another He was like, he was like
1: a <laughs> <give me no laughs> no, like. Like Tasmanian devil. Triple Cafecito back here on the Rich Eisen show. <laughs> Tasmanian Mooch. Uh, the three-part document uh, docu series on Michael Phelps is available to stream on Peacock right now. Peacock original medals, memories, and more go behind the scenes of all the stories and all the people that have come across Michael's. Path and he's left in his literal and figurative wake on the way to 28 Olympic medals. You can sign up at peacocktv.com to start streaming the entire series for free right now. Michael uh, Phelps, you mean the Mike Del Tufo, the of, swimming? Tufo yes, of swimming? swimming. Gotcha. Okay. Yes, the Bill Walsh of audio, right over there. <laughs> yep, can't tell. I don't know how if you you remember the old. I, I don't know what that was called. Is it the transitive postulate in math, where one thing you could you could uh, I guess, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Right, but, so no if you get the Bill me, Walsh of audio. The transitive property? Yes, the transitive po- property. So if there's the Bill Walsh of audio and then the, Michael, the Mike Del Tufo of swimming, does that make Michael, what does that make Michael Phelps? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make him? <laughs> makes the, Michael Phelps, the, the, does that make him the, 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 the Rich Eisen the, of NFL Bill Walsh, the, drafts. I don't know. You want see what I'm saying? Rich,
0: mic- I, I know. Just let me explain it to you, Rich. Yes. Okay, so the transitive property basically states that if X equals Y and yes. Y equals Z, yes. then X also equals Z. So Bill Walsh equals Michael Phelps.
1: That's not a bad... That, there you, you go. go. There you there go. You Mike yeah. Del Tufo is the Y in all of that literally and figuratively. I have figuratively. no problem with that. As in Y. <laughs> y. Y at all.
0: Oh, y. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Heareth ended. Ah
1: Mel Kuiper, man. <laughs> Mel Kuiper. Mel talks fast. He does, with that Baltimore accent. A lot of
0: info coming out.
1: That Inner Harbor information. You know, and when Mel was done, then he hung up. Zach Wilson, he likes. Yeah, well, on. I mean, I kept. He called a little early, and I kept him on all the way to the end. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. You can tell as a host when the answers get a little shorter. He's got to go. Yeah.
0: Well, the phone yeah. was ringing in the background I too. The, he's got a separate line. Can, hold on
1: a second. I, I, if I had a guess, that's the fax. Fax machine. <laughs> he was receiving a fax. Well, it's
0: like, it's like Ian fax. earlier this week. You know, literally was like, Uts, I got to go.
1: Utz potato chips was, was,
0: uh, was faxing. Yeah, right. Ian Rappaport, yeah. made a cover. Hey, I got to take this call. Right before you. Hey, I got to take this call, Rich. Sorry. Well, I just I got to take this call. Yeah. I got to get this fax. Yeah. I hope Mel
1: Kuyper still has
0: a fax machine
1: well I think you know how we 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 got him on the show by paging him
0: <laughs> deeper
1: yeah what is the importance of a sky pager my guest this week on just getting started <laughs> uh <laughs> my guest this week on just getting started which is a podcast that i uh started two months ago based on the pandemic and how many people's lives may have been Uh, placed an upheaval over it and to try and have uh, guests come on from various levels of success across the uh, entire pop culture and also business universe to tell their origin stories. Everybody's got a beginning story. And you could glean something from somebody's beginning stories, their origin stories to take from it and then go ahead and maybe apply it to yourself to just get started on something new for yourself and have the confidence to do it. And that's the way I wanted to go about this. And Rex Chapman is a perfect guest because of his battle with addiction, how he has restarted his life, you know? And um, the NBA star turned Twitter star, quite frankly. He's got his own podcast as well with uh, the actor Josh Hopkins, Mr. Josh Hopkins. They've got yeah. Steph Curry on it, making a little bit of news because Curry says he should be the MVP of the NBA this year.
0: I kind of agree with him, right? And he's <laughs>
1: like, I'm not going to get it. So, so Curry is on is on Rex's pod, and it's very kind of Rex to have a big guest on his pod and then come on mine and also help support mine as I'm I'm launching this. So he tells some great stories um, as well, in addition to his um, his battles and restarting it some great stories about Michael Jeffrey Jordan who had just gotten out of college when he was getting in. And then, and then of course playing against Michael in the NBA and then also being around Michael.
4: Michael was just so different. His mindset, his killer mentality. And then the thing that really his bounce was elite, but his hands, I mean, um, (laughs) We went bowling one night before a game in Chicago and a bunch of us, a bunch of his buddies and, and we're, you know how you'll, you'll be bowling and uh, you'll roll one ball, come back. The pins didn't reset and you got to roll another ball down to clear the lane. Yes, Just right. roll another ball down there. And so Michael's telling a story. He's got his back to the pins and we alert him that, Hey, you need to roll a ball down the, lane to reset the pins and he looked back he reached over he picked up a 17 pound bowling ball not with the holes he palmed it backhanded it down the lane and i just i looked at everybody else and they went oh you didn't know he could do that i went no i didn't know he could do that (laughs) Did he and, clear it and, with one shot, or or? Well, it just, he didn't even have to hit anything. He just rolled it, you know, rolled it back. Oh, and I thought there, I thought you said he was going to clear no, like a seven no, ten no. split that no. way, and I'm like, <laughs> what? No, but I mean, when you see guys do that, and Michael, he knew what he was doing too. He he right. was great with coming up and giving you a great big, uh, dap hand, handshake before the game because his hand just enveloped your whole arm. It, it was an intimidation ploy, you know. It, it really did. And when you see him pushing off of uh, Brian Russell yeah. against Utah, yeah. you don't understand what that little that hand is so big, and it just it, it's like a vice grip. And just there for a moment, all he needs is that little push to get you off uh, get you off of him. He was a he was a freak of nature physically. Um, I feel fortunate to have stories to tell about him i mean it was a it was a joy playing against it so i mean uh yeah
1: i thought russell was supposedly he slipped you're you're saying michael shoved him <laughs> he might have got for, away with a little pushy. for his last dance shot i mean <laughs> wow I, again yeah, hey, you're, breaking this, this is breaking yeah, this is going to go over great in utah so there you go <laughs> he pushed him
0: i don't think so
4: dude
1: you just heard Rex Chapman say it.
0: Yeah, Rex that wasn't on the, push. He wasn't on the was size
1: cap. 17 hands. That was big hands. You know what big hands? And, 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 and it felt like whenever I shook his hand, it went up my arm, was, uh, is Adrian Peterson. Uh, Adrian Peterson shakes your hand, and it feels like, honestly, the vice-like grip, I couldn't believe, one, that he would fumble. And two, he could substitute, uh, if necessary, to take your blood pressure. Like a couple times, <laughs> he'd shake your hand, and you feel your pulse in your arm. You know, before they released the cuff of the blood pressure.
0: was it DeMarco test? Murray was the same way. Maybe it's an Oklahoma thing.
1: I don't know. Well, that was Adrian Peterson's thing that he was known for. Like, if he shook your hand, it felt like it was going to break. Yeah, right. I, and so. I remember but, I met him and I just gave him a pound. I was like, I ain't. Yeah, any right. part <laughs> and of Rex, Rex says it was like an intimidation ploy. Worked. Right.
0: Worked on many people.
1: I want to thank Kevin Stefanski, Carson Palmer, Panay Sewell, and Mel Kuyper. By the way, uh, all podcasts, where all podcasts are, are acquired Apple, Stitcher, Pandora, TuneIn. Um, I'm probably leaving out all platforms for just getting started. Please check it out with Rex. It's a great, it's a great pod. Uh, on tomorrow's show, Kurt Warner will join us on this program. Micah Parsons, who's one of the top prospects on the defensive side of the ball will join us as well. And uh, Michael Smith will help us take us to his show, which I'm about to do for Brother From Another on NBC Sports on Peacock. But for those on the radio, we will chat on Friday. Six days to the NFL Draft.